McShane Bible Study, day 264, and we're... Callum with us? Yeah, Callum is joining us now, huh? Because I got a Bible that has... That's real. Yeah. It's real, and it is in a storybook. Yeah, he's got a full Bible, and uh, we're starting in 2 Samuel 17, and uh, so this is the story of... What happens in the council of Absalom? He's got Ahithophel, which had been <clears throat> been David's counselor, gives good advice as from God. The the last chapter said, and then we have uh, Hushai, who was basically a spy there. Right? He's loyal to David, but he's. That's right. He's giving bad advice in order to help out David. And so Absalom asks for Ahithophel's advice. He says, go get David right away before he has time to regroup. And Hushai says, no, you should wait. Call all Israel to you. This plays on his pride, right? What I mean, a king or a prospective king, what's more glorious? I think it's even a proverb. <laughs> what's more glorious to king than being in front of a massive army, right? So this plays to his pride. Yeah, I want to be the head of a massive army. <laughs> and uh, so he says, okay, this advice is better. Because <laughs> I got to be at the head of a massive army. Right. And Ahithophel um, is humiliated. And you wonder, what caused Ahithophel to turn on David? Um, something in his own. He, he was maybe feeling... Uh, like he wasn't getting the respect he deserved for his wise counsel. I don't know. Something about Ahithophel um, caused him to not be loyal to David and God. I mean, maybe he thought he was being loyal to God. I don't know. But uh, he turned on David, right? And But God, of course, the main picture of this chapter is God is taking care of David. David's not there. But God is protecting him. Right? He gets Absalom and the rest of the people to go along with Hushai's advice. So that's the end for Ahithophel. And. <clears throat> right. And then. Um, yeah. And so. Anyways, that, that's all I have for this chapter. Let's move on. Next, we're looking at. 2 Corinthians 10. What's that? Yeah. I, I was telling you the lesson. Oh, yeah. So Weston asked a question about the very verse that I uh, highlighted. Last time through, we highlighted 4 and 5, which are really important. So I'll, I'll go ahead and mention them again. In this chapter, basically, the people or some people in Corinth have kind of mocked Paul and said, Paul writes these letters, and they're incredible. But when we come, he's just nothing impressive. I want to follow somebody that's more impressive. right? I'm not going to listen to Paul, because when he comes and he talks to us, what he says is not impressive. They're looking for flash. right? And Paul doesn't have flash. He's not trying to be flashy. And so, he... He says, look, I, I'm not trying to puff myself up as important. I am what I am. And since the Lord has made me for your benefit, you best listen. Have right? you ever heard of the, um, 
thing. You are what you eat. <laughs> yes. Okay. So verse 4 and 5 say, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. You know, do you understand what that means? Um, my Bible explained it better. Oh, yeah. What does it say? What it's talking about... Human <clears throat> What it's talking about is um, we are in a spiritual battle with an army that we cannot see. Satan, his principalities, authorities, thrones, powers, and all the little demons under them. Right? Mm -hmm. And so they can speak to us and give us thoughts they can work in circumstances that, you know, we see uh, Job in, in the early part of Job go into God's throne room and say, I'm, you know, I want to basically really hurt Job. And God says, well, I'll, I'll, I'll prove my glory through Job in this so you can do it. Right. This is a fallen world we live in. And so we, we can have circumstances going against us, often using people could use could be natural disasters, could be people. Um, but it's, but it's not the people that are against us. It's, it's spiritual army of darkness against us. It can be our own thoughts. That's why I, I really work to train you guys in how you think about little things, because you're being trained up in how you approach life. And if you allow yourself to think negatively about things all the time, you end up having a miserable life. But it was a choice you took on in how you decide to learn. If you, if you realize, you know what, God is for me, everything is going to turn out for the best. Even if, I don't, if I'm not happy with what this happened, you know what, it will turn out for the best. If you have that attitude about life, your life will be filled with much more joy. Even if the same exact things happen to you. Right? So that's what he's saying. He's saying that we're in a, a war against these things that come against us. Either things external or things internal. Ways that we think and feel about things. Five says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. He says, any argument that might sound good, might tickle the ears, but it's against the truth of God. He says, we're absolutely against it. We do not entertain it. And he says, we take every thought captive. Every thought that comes into our mind, we compare it. Is this godly? Is this of God? And if not, we take it captive and put it aside and say, that's not my thought. I will not entertain that thought. Do you understand? So he says, we're actually doing battle in our own mind because the enemy will love to tell us how to think. And he doesn't sound, he doesn't speak to us in a big scary voice. It sounds like our own voice. Right? Mm -hmm. And so he says, we take these thoughts captive so that the only thoughts we're allowing to exist in us are godly thoughts. Mm -hmm. Right? You see that war that we're in? In, the, in David's time, he had to go out with the sword, right? Mm -hmm. We are 
you know, we, we don't have that. I don't think we ever will. <laughs> Hopefully not, right? But we, that doesn't mean we're not still in war. It's good to read about those things because we are in a very real war. It's just our weapons are different. Our weapons are not swords and guns. Our weapons are in the mind, in the spirit, in the heart. Right? Or you're sick of battles going on. Yeah, yeah. There's a battle over your flesh. That's right. And so and so we pray, right? We pray against that. We pray for healing because the Lord has given us overcoming over this world. So we pray, Lord, I, I, I apply your blood to my body. Remove this sickness from me. This is not of you, Lord, right? So the verse you asked about is uh, 12. It says, Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure... Commending uh, Saying, I'm pretty great. Oh, okay. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. And you asked, why, why is it bad to compare yourself with, with others? It's because we, we compare ourselves to the glory of God. We compare ourselves to Christ. Anything else is comparing ourselves to one falling short. And so if we get, hot, get hung up in comparing ourselves with people in the world, then we're comparing ourselves against the wrong model. Mm-hmm. We compare ourselves only to who God has made us to be, to what his plan is for us. And then we see when, when, when we know we're falling short, we repent and we turn. Mm-hmm. But when we know we're, we're truly trying to live everything to, to his plan for our lives, we live in peace and joy because we're walking with him, right? And we, you can always, the world and the enemy will constantly get us to look at others around us and say, I want what he has, or I want to be like him. Or I, I wish I was this, or I wish I was that. That is foolish talk of the enemy. You're not that person. God made you to be unique and special in who you are, to carry a very particular aspect of his glory that no one else can carry. Mm-hmm. And so if you spend your time trying to be like someone else, then you're not carrying the aspect of God's glory that you were created to be, to carry. Mm-hmm. Right? And so we compare ourselves to who God has made us to be and no other standard. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? All right, I think that... Oh, and I highlighted verse 17. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. What do we have to boast about? What can we brag about? Nothing. Yeah, the only thing we can brag about is that, you know what? I am the Lord's. The Lord God has chosen me, and I have chosen to give my life to him. That is worthy of bragging about. Uh Nothing else. Make sense? Uh And next is Ezekiel 24. And so God has Ezekiel uh, make a, a stew with lots of good parts of meat and um, and. And, and, you know, herbs, but the pot is bad. And so, obviously, the stew, it's, it's a rusty pot, so it comes out nasty. 
And he says, this is like Israel. It doesn't matter what good it's in it. The whole thing is bad and it will be brought down. And and then God says to, is he, and he says, basically, Babylon's at the door. The siege of Jerusalem has begun. So he's telling, they don't have news like we do, right? They can't know things right away like we can today. So they're in a different part of the world. And God's speaking to Ezekiel saying, the, um, you know, the, what I've been telling you to warn these people of for many years has now begun. Jerusalem's being attacked again. And, and then he says to Ezekiel, I'm going to take your wife away from you. It's pretty sad, you know. He's, he's, um, and he says, but you're not going to mourn. You know, you're, you're going to do it. And then I'm going to make you, and you'll tell everybody and explain all these things to everybody. That they are not to mourn when uh, Jerusalem comes down, just like you're not mourning with your wife. And then I'm going to make you mute until the day that the messenger comes and tells you about this. And then when he does uh, come, you'll be able to speak again, and everyone will know that this has been the voice of the Lord. Um, it's pretty severe on his prophet, <laughs> but he, uh, but you know, he's making sure they know this is my way. And Ezekiel's willingly living his life for the Lord, and he's using Ezekiel's life to try to train his people to see in another way, not the way of their flesh, but in a higher way. Because in their minds, they're thinking, how could it possibly be good for Jerusalem to be overrun and destroyed, for the temple to be destroyed? That can't be good, right? I mean, that's the way we would think in the flesh, right? And God says, my ways are higher than yours. Your temple no longer represents me, so it must be brought down so that I can bring a remnant people. I can rebuild the temple. What I can't do is work with a people of mixture. You see that? Mm-hmm. All right. And we're wrapping up with uh, Psalm 7 and 8. I can see last time I highlighted 8 more. But in 7... David is, oh, I don't know if I finished. So Cush is the name of a country, but this is obviously the name of a man. He's a Benjaminite, right? So I don't know why his parents named him that, but that's his name. This is, uh, uh, this is, seven is a psalm that David sang regarding Cush, the Benjaminite. But he says, um, you know, O Lord, my God, in you do I take refuge. We were kind of talking about this earlier when we were talking about Second Corinthians, right? I'm not worried about the world. I'm not worried about things of the world or or things this guy apparently was against him. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Benjamin, if you remember, David had problems with Benjamin right when the kingdom was fractured because Benjamin had been the tribe that had the king. So they were the, the ones that were, we just read it like a week ago, or a couple of weeks ago, the the tribe that was most against David being king was the tribe of Benjamin. And so we had multiple Benjaminites uh, rise up against him. I don't remember this man's name. So I, I don't know if he was mentioned in what we read or not, but um, it was probably around that time because they were the slowest ones to come around to the idea that David should be king instead of the family of Saul, right? Because um, they liked the fact that a Benjaminite was king of all Israel. But so, so he's having some kind of problems with this guy. And he says, oh, Lord, my God, in you do I take refuge. 
And then he says in verse three, O Lord, my God, if I have done this, if there is wrong in my hands, if I have repaid my friend with evil or plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. So he's saying, Lord, I want to do the right thing. And if I haven't done the right thing, he's kind of a little prideful here. Really, what we should be saying, because he's making very grand statements, um, well, we should be doing, Lord, if, if I am not in the right here, please convict me and change my thoughts. I want to be in the right more than I want to be right. Does that make sense? A little play on words I just did? Okay. He says, uh, in other words, I, uh, this is what I think and I'm right. That's, you really get, we all get that feeling from time to time, right? Well, this is the opposite. If Lord, if I'm not right, I humble myself before you. If I'm not right, I don't want to stand for something just because my pride is involved. I want I want to be for your righteousness, not my own pride. Right? Mm-hmm. So if I need to humble myself and apologize and turn around or anything else in this situation, please let me know that, Lord. That should be our heart in these kind of situations, right? Um, again, he, he keeps talking about, oh, righteous God, my shield is with God. So he, he is positioning himself as the Lord's, right? Verse 8, there's famous verses. When I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. So he says, I look at all the amazingness of your creation. For what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Pretty amazing thing, right? Mm-hmm. They got like people of the world that they like to compare us to animals and say, "Oh, we're just another animal." Um, in a way, David's cognizant of that. Like, who are we that you, that created all this, would care so much about us? Because we're not just animals. God has made us in order to contain His glory. He has a plan for us that goes beyond anything else we can truly imagine when we're living in the flesh. Mm-hmm. And so David's just in awe of this. He says, five, you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. So we start out lower than angels, right? And crowned him with glory and honor. So his purpose for us is to raise us above angels. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. I've put all things under his feet. He's made Jesus king of kings and Our purpose is to take on his life, to overcome and rule for him all things, right? Mm -hmm. All right, that's all I have. you have anything else? No, God bless you. God bless you.